Hello, hello. How are you? Uh, this is Craig Beck from StopDrinkingExpert.com. Welcome into our usual Wednesday get-together. Get and I know for some people this will be at the complete wrong time because it's that weird two-week window that we have twice a year where time zones change around the world for no reason at all. And half the world is in one time zone and half is in the other. For example, last weekend in Europe and the United Kingdom, uh, the clocks went back. Uh, but it, they didn't in America for some reason. I, I don't know why. Uh, I don't think the clocks go back in the United States until next weekend. Is that right? 6th of November, something like that. Don't even ask me what's going on in Australia or Asia. I have no idea. Um, I understand the United States are doing away with the clocks going backwards and forwards starting next year. And I think that is a fantastic move. I wish they would do it in Europe. Uh, but for, the, for this year, we're trapped in this little window where uh, this video arrives at the wrong time for half the audience. So I apologize. Um, right now, I have two fantastic emails to share with you today. Um, and I really, really have to pinch myself not to get a bit shouty <laughs> and get really worked up about them because they got me. Both these emails, they got me. Um, so I wanted to share them with you today because there's so much psychology going on in them. And I want you to see that the nonsense of alcohol that we, you know, this bubble of stupidity, ridiculousness that we live in the Western world around alcohol is just 100% horseshit. It's absolute garbage. Uh, so let's, let's crack on and I'll share this with you. And I'll just remind you at this point, if you're new to the channel, please hit the like button. It makes a big difference to me and my videos. And if you're new here, hit the subscribe button as well. If you are serious about dealing with a drinking problem, your first step after this video should be to sign up for the free quit drinking webinar in which I will even give you a copy of my best-selling book, Alcohol Lied to Me, as a free gift just for turning. So here is the first email from one of my members. Her initials are A.S. It was a very short email to the point, uh, and I sense there is quite a lot of negative feeling behind the words. So here it is. Uh, you say all the benefits to drinking are erroneous, but the reality is passing time is a good thing when you are bored to death and your life is unfulfilled, it feels like a solution. A.S. Okay. Now, look, first of all, you know that I'm not the sort of softly, softly therapist that's going to give you a hug and say, there, there, isn't it terrible? Bless you. It's just not my style. Uh, and I realize that sometimes I can be a bit black and white. I can be a bit binary. Uh, even my own children tell me that. You know, my kids say, Dad, it's not always, you know, yes or no, do it or don't do it. There are, there are things in the middle. So I know I'm a bit binary. Um, and the statements I make are the statements that would work on me. That doesn't mean they work for anyone. So I want you to understand that. I'm Look, you either like my my hard talk, my honest, like, Warts and all, pull no punches, or you don't. So here's the first thing I want to say to you, AS. Get out of victim mode. you got to get out of victim mode. It's, it's going to get you nowhere. 
having a pity party and saying, whoa, how terrible life is, no wonder I drink, is a solution to nothing. And being a victim, what will it get you? It will get you maybe a little bit of faux sympathy. It might even get you a tiny bit of empathy. But it won't get you any progress. It won't get you any peace. It won't make your life any better. It won't do anything apart from suck you down in a cycle a cycle of pity. Why do I say faux sympathy? Because here's the harsh reality, right? You post this sort of stuff up on social media, and you'll get a lot of your friends saying, oh, bless you. You okay, hon? Oh, how terrible. But I'm here, and t- I can tell you right now, 50% of your friends on social media don't care. The other 50% are glad that you're having a tough time. That's just how human beings are. That's a harsh reality. So cut out the victim mode. It's not getting you anything. It's not going to serve you in any way, all right? Secondly, let's just look at the psychology of what you're saying here. You drink because your life is boring. You drink because your life is unfulfilled. And I'm sure to you that sounds entirely logical. I'm sure that sounds perfectly like common sense. But I'm going to argue here with you that you have it the wrong way around. You don't drink because your life is boring. You don't drink because your life is unfulfilled. You, your life is boring because you drink. Your life is unfulfilled because you drink an anesthetic every day. I don't care where you live on planet Earth. There are options for how you entertain yourself, for how, how you give your life meaning. But equally, it doesn't matter where you live on planet Earth, if you drink alcohol on a daily basis, if you drink this anesthetic, this depressive anesthetic on a daily basis, you massively constrict your options. I mean, you can't even drive now if you're drinking. So you can't go off and do other things. You're pretty much limited to, do I sit on my sofa watching Netflix or do I go to bed? Or do I sit in the kitchen drinking? Your options are so restricted and limited. And if you've got that drinker's mindset of planning, your whole day is about planning your next drink. Then even when people come up to you and say, hey, we're all going out, do you want to come? You say no, because you'd rather be on your own drinking because then you're in control of the dosage. You're in control of how much alcohol you're going to drink. If you drink with other people, you have to get in a round. You have to wait for them to finish their drink. You get self-conscious that people are noticing how much you're drinking and blah, 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 blah. Most problem drinkers like to do it on their own. So they are in control of the dose. Now, if you don't drink anesthetic on a daily basis, then I don't care where you live. There are options. You can go to night school. You can learn a language. You can learn to paint. You can learn to sculpt. You can learn to draw. You can learn mechanics. You can start up a new exercise class. You can learn a martial art. You can start swimming. You can join a running club. Do you see what I mean? It's not a case of I'm bored and I'm lonely and there's no way out. It's a choice. You're choosing alcohol over fixing the problem. But, you know, it's so easy to stay in your comfort zone and say, I drink because my life's boring. Ah, What can I do? Nothing I can do about it. Yes, you're lying to yourself. It's bullshit. 
There are a million things you can do to make your life more interesting. I don't care what your specific situation is. It is the alcohol that is destroying your life. It's not the other way around. Alcohol is not helping you with a terrible life. Alcohol is creating a terrible life for you. And I hope the penny drops for you on that one. Because if you let it, if you let that evil clown tell you that it's helping you cope with a terrible life, it will help you cope with a terrible life until the day you die. And that's very depressing. All right, that's the first email. Second email, even more psychology going on here. This is a really good one. Again, this is someone who's uh, doing my Stop Drinking course online. Uh, let me read it to you. Uh, the title of the email is Good Wine, Bad Wine. This came on the 31st of October, so like three days ago now. Uh, I'm listening to Lesson 5, and I'm really bothered by your reference to there being no such thing as good wine or good gin or whatever. Let me preface this with telling you how much I'm learning from your lessons and also from reading William Porter's book. However, as a wine drinker, I know that a glass of Palmas, say, goes down really smoothly, while a glass of some other wines are bitter and I just assume not drink them. I understand the whole reference to alcohol content being the same, but it's a bit inaccurate to say there is no difference in the bottles of wine. There just is. I wish there wasn't, but I'm no longer even tempted by, say, a glass of cheap wine. But I would really have to think myself through turning down a glass of Palmas. Please address this. I'm not justifying the choice to drink nicer wine. Hang on a minute. Wi-Fi is playing up here. Let's see if I can speed it up somehow. If I get rid of that and maybe that and maybe that. Um. I'm not justifying the choice to drink nicer wine, only clarifying that there is, caps lock on, a difference in the drinking. Wow. Okay. Loads to talk about here. Um, look, uh, I'm not sitting on an ivory tower here, you know, talking down to you. I know exactly where you're coming from. This is my story. You know, I... Part of my the lie I told myself was, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm a wine connoisseur. That's why I like wine, because I am an expert in wine. That's what I used to tell myself. I used to have uh, wine in my rack at home that was $400 a bottle. I had two crates of Chateau Lynchbarge, and they're, they're, I think they're like $2,500 a case. I had two cases of that stuff while having 20, 30,000 pounds on credit cards, while having remortgaged the house, while being in debt up to my eyeballs. I had probably six or seven thousand dollars worth of expensive fine wine in my house at the peak of my drinking. Why? Because I was a wine connoisseur. And when I used to go to restaurants, they used to treat me like the king. Oh, Mr. Beck is here. Mr. Beck, the best table in the house for you. Come here and give us your opinion on this wine. Why did they kiss my ass so much? Why? Because I spent a lot of money on wine. 
They didn't like me. They didn't think I really was the king. They didn't think I was a special customer. They just wanted my money. So that was, you know, I, I mean, I even had like to tasting journals. You know, I would sit in my armchair with a $500 bottle of wine going, yes, uh, notes of blackcurrant, uh, heady, heady aroma of chocolate to this one. Uh, seven out of 10. Uh, what an absolute wanker. What an absolute arsehead I was. Because I used to think I was an expert. I wasn't. I was just a problem drinker. All right. So I know, I know what you're saying. I've been there. All right. So here's the first point I want to make to you, a uh, good member of my course. Why are you so passionate about defending a substance in your life that is killing you? There's real aggression and passion behind your words. You've got that caps lock on. You're shouting at me. I know that a glass of Palmas goes down really smoothly. Why are you so passionate? And you've got to shine a spotlight on yourself and just pause and have an, uh, a little honesty session with you, yourself and say, why am I being like that? Because I believe what the situation you are currently in, while it feels very logical, it feels like it makes sense that you like fine wine. Isn't, isn't it, as an aside, isn't it interesting that we feel compelled to put the word fine in front of wine? We don't do that with others. I'm going to have some fine carrots tonight. All right, love, should we have some fine carrots for dinner? We don't do that, do we? We don't feel the urge to justify the carrot by putting a word before it. But we deal with alcohol. Fine wine goes well with a meal. I think I'll have a cheeky glass of wine tonight. Again, you don't say, I'm going to have a cheeky carrot tonight, do you? You don't do it. We know subconsciously that we're drinking poison, and we have to put in a deflection. We have to use language as a deflection to cover up the gnawing reality that we are choosing to drink poison. I'm going to drink some fine gin. Okay. Look, I believe that what you are dealing with here is a form of Stockholm Syndrome. You have fallen in love with a serial killer. And just like yeah, that's obviously a metaphor, but just in reality, when people get abducted and genuinely end up falling in love with their abuser, it feels logical to them. And when you fall in love with the evil clown and you genuinely believe there is such a thing as good quality poison, you're just in love with your, your abuser. You're just in love with a serial killer. That's all it is. And I hate to tell you that because I know it's going to jar and I know you're going to push back against it. I know you're going to resist. You're going to start saying things like, but Craig, you know, winemakers are artisans. Some of them they've trained, you know, there's generations of knowledge and expertise gone into crafting this bottle of wine. And how can you just explain that away? I can explain it away like this. There's, there, there is no 
logic or common sense to the notion that there is such a thing as good quality poison. It doesn't make any sense. You know, if I'm going to poison you, I've got two glasses of poison. Do you want the good quality poison or the bad quality poison? By the way, they both have the same active ingredient. Do you want me to kill you with the nice one or the cheap one? Does it matter? Apparently it does. There's no such thing as good quality poison. You know, um, and I made this point to you in the email I sent you. Uh, I think this is the, you know, the, the strongest point I can make. You know, if I, if I came to your house right now and I put a revolver to your head, and apologies for the violent uh, analogy here, but I put a revolver to your head. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to shoot you in the head. Before I pull the trigger, I whisper in your ear, the bullet in this gun is made of 24 karat gold. It's the best bullet that's ever been made. Does that make you feel better? Just before I kill you, does, you go, oh, fantastic. Well, that, that's completely different. Then. If it was a cheap bullet, I would have been furious right now. But as it's a really good quality bullet, yay, carry on. <laughs> Wouldn't make any difference, would it? And that's exactly what you're doing. You're arguing over the quality of the bullet that's going to kill you. You're wasting your time. And you need to see this for what it is. It's, it, you need to see this for, as, a, as a, like a wake-up call as to how your brain has become conditioned to this drug. That you would email me with such passion and such flourish to defend the, your abuser. And you would use romantic, sexy language in your defense of this serial killer. You would tell me how this amazing wine goes down smoothly. Why would you do that? Because it's really got into your subconscious. That evil clown has found what works for you. Uh, and what works for you doesn't work for everyone else. But, you know, I can empathize because it worked for me. I spent probably two years of my drinking career under the absolute certainty that I was a wine connoisseur, that I was an absolute expert, an investor in fine wines. It was just a distraction so that I wouldn't consider the reality of the situation. So I hope that helps. I hope it wasn't too aggressive and too blunt. I know I can be a little bit blunt at times, but I feel like there's no point tiptoeing around this stuff. That's the reality. Alcohol is poison, and you've conditioned yourself to drink it and feel that drinking poison is normal. It is not. You need to start hating it. You need to start seeing it for what it is, and only then will it be easy to let it go. You will no longer feel compelled to drink good quality poison. Thank you so much for watching and uh, hopefully time zones are sorted out in the next week or so. Um, and we'll be back next Wednesday. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Discover the world's most successful and respected online quit drinking program today. It gives you real mental freedom from the clutches of alcohol. Great back helps you understand what alcohol does to you, how it works. Are you finally ready to take action? 
Your sober journey begins 11 a.m. Sunday. Reserve your space at my next free quit drinking webinar.